Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Revelation chapter 9. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We're just going to continue in our worship of you by taking every thought captive. We have no idea if we're going to make it to this afternoon. Yesterday's gone. It's not coming back. So, Father, shape us and mold us in more into your son's image that we can learn from yesterday, that we can grow, that we can become more like Jesus through his word, and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit in 24. Father, we thank you for the privilege to open a Bible. This is illegal in so many countries. To gather, to sing openly, to pray openly. Father, we thank you and praise you for this privilege. We have no idea how long this is going to last. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching, uh, that you'll be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 9, then the fifth angel sounded. We're going through the seven trumpets. You can get the previous CDs to catch up. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth to him. Notice the the pronoun there, personal pronoun, to him was given the key. Keys represent authority. So I personally believe this is the devil, Satan, Lucifer. And God has given him, Jesus has given him a key to open this bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. This is a supernatural occurrence taking place here. And out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, we're pretty familiar with scorpions here in Arizona. Maybe some of you have been uh, stung before. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men, and the word men here is mankind, so male, females, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion. So it gives us an idea of what this is going to be like during the Great Tribulation when it strikes a man. But it's going to be more intense. Why? How do we know this? Because in verse 6, it tells us, in those days, you can interpret your Bible, what days? We'll just keep it in context. In the days where these scorpions are going to be, these beasts are going to be released, In those days, men, mankind, again, male, female, will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. This is going to be an intense plague that's taking place. And it's interesting that the lifespan of locusts is roughly five months. And they usually eat up all vegetation that is in their path. I mean, they can strip bare an area, leaving nothing but dirt. This has been documented over the centuries. Famines and death have been the result of an infestation of locusts upon an area. But what's interesting about this 
about these locusts here is that they were not allowed to touch the land. They were only allowed to sting humans. And their torment is like the sting of a scorpion, which again can have that strong numbing effect. But the pain is going to be so intense that people are going to try to take their lives but will not be able to. Death is basically going to take a holiday with this plague. But what I love about this situation is that these demonic insects are not allowed to harm the believer. Now, maybe you're new to the faith, and so we want to touch on some of these things. You see, when you acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you ask Jesus to come into your life, according to the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes into you, now resides in you, and you are sealed until the day you take your last breath. Now, if you're still living like the devil and you're calling yourself a Christian, but you really don't care, you're being forced to come here or you're coming here out of ritualistic ideas, maybe you accepted Jesus in your head because your life is not being transformed. People do make head commitments. They don't make a soul commitment or a heart commitment. And it's not for us to judge salvation. God only knows that. But we can all see the fruit of a person's salvation. And so we are sealed. Believers, Bible-believing Christians are sealed until the day we die. So it's very interesting here. So just like the plagues of Egypt, God is showing the world that there is a difference between his children and the children of the devil. It's been said, even by some Christians in my office, that every person is a child of God. And I challenged immediately, show me the scriptures that say that. You will not find the scriptures that say that. You'll find just the opposite. That we are by nature children of wrath. We are children of the devil. You don't think so? Go work with the two and three-year-olds for a few weeks. (laughs) Don't cast out devils, but just go work with them. You'll find out really quickly. You see, after the various plagues took place, even the magicians in Egypt acknowledged this in Exodus 8. Again, please read your Bibles from Genesis to Revelation. Now, the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice. I mean, isn't that classic? Let's have more lice. But they could not, God's mercies. Just, no, you guys don't know what you're asking for. So there were lice on men and beasts. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This Moses guy that's been coming to you and talking to you, plague after plague after plague. And what were, what were the plagues? The plagues were putting the little G's in place because the Egyptians worshiped the little G's. Every plague correlates to a little G that the magicians were worshiping, that the, the, uh, the Egyptians were worshiping. And they said, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard And he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. You see, it's not that people are not going to die, because people are going to die during that five-month period. But during this particular event, or what we could call a plague, those who are being stung are going to desire to die and not be able to. Why? Well, I personally believe that God is going to supernaturally protect his kids from this plague. And those who get bit are going to wish that they had that same protection. 
So here's a question for 24. I worked for Motorola for 12 and a half years. I was not a secret Christian. Now, I was not paid to evangelize. I was not paid to preach. I was paid to be a faithful worker. And God needs faithful workers in the workplace. But people knew because I carried my Bible. I read my Bible because we had four kids and I had, didn't have a lot of time at home. So I read my Bible at my lunch break. People every now and then would come up and say, you're religious, aren't you? And I just have to say to them, no, I'm not. I have a relationship with God via Jesus Christ. Okay, um, would you pray for me? Would you? And I go, absolutely. What do you need prayer for? Guys, people are watching. And as 24 grows worse, are you going to be a Christian that's going to have joy? That's going to have peace in the midst of chaos? That's going to have hope? Because, guys, the world is hopeless. They have no idea. We do. We've read the rest of the story. We know who wins. So you and I should be different from the world where they look at us and go, what's up with you? Not that we're not going to go through illnesses, because we do. Christians die in calamities. But how do we die? How do we go through those calamities? That's what they need to see. There's a difference that they might see the light and then that salt is going to say, give them a desire to say, what do you have? I want what you have. That's, that salt causes thirst. You have joy. I want joy. I can see this as a time that the believer during the tribulation period will have an opportunity to share their testimony and hopefully the unbeliever will repent and receive Jesus as their Savior. Remember, we've already read, there's an innumerable multitude in heaven that came through the great tribulation. Even though God is just with his judgments, what do we see? Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. There are going to be Christians alive. They're not going to get stung. There's going to be non-believers alive. They're going to get stung. Here's going to be an opportunity for them to witness. Say, you want to know my God? He, loves, he will love you unconditionally. You can be forgiven. You can go to heaven. For those who do not repent, they are going to acknowledge just like the magicians. There's nothing new under the sun. God's hand of protection upon the believers. And I'm sure this will drive the unbeliever crazy. But it does give, give them another testimony of God's loving presence upon this earth. You are a testimony of God's loving presence upon this earth. How is that playing in your life practically? It's easy to talk it, right? People need to see it played out. They need to see it played out. Verses 7 through 10. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were a crown of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like a sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men, again, mankind, globally, this is just not a regional thing, this is around the whole world, their power was to hurt men five months. Notice that John emphasizes the word like 
as he describes these creatures. He's trying to explain what any one of us would have a hard time explaining. I mean, these are grotesque creatures, and let's not forget that they came out of the bottomless pit. These are not Apache helicopters. It's very important to realize this because many think that this is something man-made. This is not man-made. We just read it. It's supernatural. And if you look at some bugs under a microscope, they are grotesque. It's just better to squish them and say goodbye. But I mentioned this at the first service last week, and a brother came up after the service. He goes, I used to fly Apache helicopters. I go, you did? He goes, yeah, I used to fly Apache helicopters. One round, one round. When it hits a person, it doesn't go through the person. It explodes and blows the person apart. So this is not man-made. This is supernatural. They're like a scorpion. And John is just trying to describe the grotesqueness that he's seeing here. Again, which you and I would have a hard time doing as well. But I looked up some other scriptures about this bottomless pit here. Mm. Jude 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain... What, were the, what was the angel's proper domain? I believe personally that Satan was the leader of worship. If you read your Bible, you'll see a description of Satan, Lucifer the devil. I believe he was the, the head leader of worship. But he rebelled. I will be like the Most High God. No. And then there, we believe, we don't know for certain, from Revelation, we'll get to it, that a third of the angels rebelled with him. We don't know for certain. We don't have a specific number. But they did not keep their proper, what was their proper domain? Worshiping the God of all creation. But left their own abode, he has reserved, he, God, has reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. The great day of what? Judgment. Standing before God. Eternal judgment. No one would keep a nice creature locked up in chains in the dark. This is what Peter has to say. For if God did not spare the angels, again, notice the angels, who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Very, very important. During the ministry of Jesus, on occasion when he cast a demon out of someone, some of those demons would specifically ask Jesus that he not cast them into this pit. Now, if demons don't want to go there, shouldn't the unbeliever accept that testimony? Hell and the bottomless pit are not nice places where really cool parties are going to happen. Jesus had this to say about hell. Yes, he spoke of hell often. Hell is real. It's outer darkness, yet eternal fire. You and I know that fire creates light. But no, it's outer darkness with eternal fire. Torment, chewing on your tongue is going to feel good. Torment, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, hell was created for fallen angels and not for mankind. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, from this day forward, you'll never be able to say, well, nobody told me. I just told you. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. His son died, was buried, rose again. He's seated at the Father's right hand, interceding for you, an unbeliever. He was interceding for me, and I received Jesus in the spring of 1978, 46 years ago. You can receive Jesus today. At the end of the service, we're going to do a prayer. You can say the prayer. It's not about the prayer. It's about your own soul. 
Not about your head, about your soul. If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, you can receive Jesus today as your Savior. The Holy Spirit will come in you. If you don't, you'll never have another excuse. You'll never be able to say, well, God, nobody told me. No, the knucklehead told you on January 7th, 2024 in Queen Creek, remember? And you're going to go, oh yeah, he did tell me. And you said, I don't want nothing to do with you. So depart from me, you worker of iniquity, and you will be appointed eternity in hell. It's your decision. Make a wise one. Verse 11. And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew is, and in the Greek he has a name. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these. Proverbs 30 says this, The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. But here we see that Satan, who wants to be king, he's going to be little K, is going to go around the world doing what? What John 10.10 tells us. The thief comes not except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we see two names here. The first is the Hebrew name, Ab-Adon, Ab-Adon, and it means destruction, destruction. That's the Hebrew name. There's the, here's the Greek name, Apolloan, Apolloan, and that means destroyer, destroyer. So we have two names for one individual here, in this case, one angel, over these beasts, Satan, Lucifer, the devil. The name means destruction and destroyer. Why is that important? Well, we're going to see here, one woe is past. Thank God the church is not going to be here, and I'll show you why in a few moments. Behold, still more, two more woes are coming after these things. Verses 13 and 14. Then the sixth angel sounded. So the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Interesting, Euphrates. This is the second woe, and we will see its completion in Revelation eleven fourteen, where we read this, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. This voice is coming from the altar of incense, which we have noted in previous studies, symbolizes the prayers of the saints. And you will find a description and application of this altar, which please read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In Exodus 30, 1 through 10. Now, what's interesting here about the Euphrates, also we see in Deuteronomy 1, 7, 11, 24, and Joshua 1, 4, that the Euphrates was to be their eastern border of Israel. Let that sink in. That was to be their eastern border. Go look on a map today and see where the Euphrates is. The nation of Israel is the size of New Jersey today. You can fit 15 Israels in Arizona. 15. They didn't conquer the land because they disobeyed God. They were supposed to go all the way down to the Nile in Egypt. That was to be all their land. But because they disobeyed, they didn't acquire it. Israel is a nation and they are to be there today. Not going to get political with anybody. For God so loved the whole world. He loves every Palestinian. He loves every Ukrainian. He loves every Russian. He loves every Sudanese. He loves the whole world. 
How many races are there? There's only one race, the human race. We don't judge on color of skin or location. There's only one race, for God so loves the world. So you want to be careful that you don't get caught up in the politics and the agenda that is coming into and at the church. This is not about an organization or a certain agenda that we're going to fulfill. No, we are, what are we called? What's our agenda? We as Christians are called what? Ambassadors for Christ. What's our agenda? To plant, to water, to fertilize, and possibly pray with someone to receive Jesus as their Savior. Because we are ambassadors for Christ. We always want to remember that as we enter 24. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Verse 15. I have this whole verse highlighted. I encourage you to have a paper Bible. I know electronics is is really easy, but um, put your electronics away and have a paper Bible every single day. Get used to having a paper Bible because when you have your electronics, uh, unless you do this, but I don't think too many people do, you're going to hear a ding, you're going to hear a ping, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Oh yeah, I got that appointment. Oh yeah, I got to do this. And all of a sudden your devotion time, man, where did that 10 minutes go? Get into a habit of having 20, 30, 40 minutes of devotion where you're reading the Bible systematically. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart and highlight it, mark it up. It's not sacrilegious. So notice, so the four angels who have been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Again, this is global. This is not just regional. This is around the whole world, what we're reading here. And I love what I see in this verse. Not the taking of life, obviously, but that God is a God of order. These particular angels were not allowed to do anything until God said that the time was right. Notice the detail in that verse, even as I mention it with the tone. Been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. You see, God has everything under control even when it appears that things are out of control. Are things out of control in America right now? I don't know if you noticed this past week, last couple days, but it was announced that we just surpassed $34 trillion in debt. And it only took three months to go from $33 trillion to $34 trillion. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a big problem. Because if that happened in three months, what's going to happen to the rest of this year? Is that debt just going away tomorrow? Well, it could if they canceled everything and we all became equitable and we kiss it all goodbye. So it's not going to go away. So it's going to be compounding. But don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's only $100,000 per person in America. Every baby, every senior saint. It's only $100,000. You, you surely have an extra $100,000. And if you're a taxpayer, it's 
$259,000 that you're now accountable for. $259,000. So how many of you are going to be able to pay that off today? But don't worry, everything's going to be just fine. It's going to be okay. Trust us. Mm -hmm. That's why we want to be in the Word of God. Because see, in God's economy, everything is going to be just fine. Even as we sang this morning, my life are in your hands. My life are in your hands. Do you believe that? 24 is going to press you, press me, like we've probably never been pressed before. We're going to be in the refining fire. Are we truly sold out for Jesus, or are we going to give in to the agenda of the day? See, let's remember that earlier in Revelation 6, 7, and 8, when the fourth seal was opened, that a fourth of mankind was going to die. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. The whole earth. And in our verse here, we see a third of mankind are going to lose their lives. So let's look at a slide here. Notable deaths during the first half of the Great Tribulation. Don't get hung up on the numbers. I just did even numbers, round numbers to make it easy for me. So we know we're at 8 billion people. That's today's population. Let's say a billion people are raptured. I mean, that would be fantastic. Hope more, probably less, realistically. But for conversation purposes, a billion are raptured. That leaves 7 billion people on the face of the earth after the rapture. Going back to Revelation 6, 8, a fourth of those people are going to die, most likely within the first two years of the tribulation. So that's 1,750,000,000 people are going to die probably within the first two years of the Great Tribulation. That leaves 5,250,000,000 people. Now, in Revelation 9.15, we see that a third of the population is going to die. Well, what would that work out to be? 1,732,500,000 people are going to die in most likely the next year and a half. Because this is prior to the mid-tribulation period. So that leaves 3,517,500,000 alive. That's why I believe the church is raptured. This is God's wrath coming upon the earth. 50%. Do different numbers. It's going to all come out the same, roughly. It's going to be roughly 50% of the population is annihilated. They have opportunities to repent, but they don't repent. So we shouldn't be surprised what's going on in our culture and in our country as we see us imploding. Is our government repenting? Are people repenting? No, let's just keep spending. Just keep printing the money. Everything will be okay. Why? Because there's a bigger agenda. We'll get to it in Revelation 13. But let's press on here. Verses 16 through 19. Now the number of the army of horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. So now here comes the Apache helicopter idea. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which came out of their mouths. But again, this is supernatural. Therefore, their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. People used to mock the Bible over verse 16 
For some historians believe that there are roughly only 200 million people alive in the first century. But a tremendous change occurred with the Industrial Revolution. Whereas it had taken all of human, human history until around 1800 for the world population to reach 1 billion, 1 billion, the second billion was achieved in only 130 years, 1930. The second billion was achieved, or I mean the third billion is less than 30 years, 1959, the fourth billion in 15 years, 1974. The fifth billion in only 13 years, 1987, 12 years later, 6 billion in 1999, and now we're at 8 billion. So is it possible to now have a 200 million man army? Easily, easily. Back then, no. And so that's why they mocked it for decades. But here we are, 2024, and is it possible that we could have a 200 million man army. Absolutely. Back then, incomprehensible. At the height of the Gulf War, with all the coalition forces put together, there was roughly one million military personnel involved. One million. But here it is stated there's going to be a 200 million man army. Could this be an army coming out of China? Or could it be a coalition of various nations gathering together who would come out of the East? You see, we really don't know. But this we do know, that this army is going to go throughout the whole earth and will destroy a third of humanity. We just read it in verse 18. In our verses this morning, the scriptures state that there are riders on the horses. So that would lead me to believe that John is trying to, again, again, how do you explain this 2,000 years ago? How do you explain Apache helicopter? Some believe that these are creatures like the locusts that they just looked at or possibly spiritual demonic forces. But I personally believe that it's going to be a human army. Whatever the case may be, don't ever argue about stuff like this. That's irrelevant. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Don't argue about things that are totally irrelevant. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Yes, I do. Then let's go win somebody for Jesus. Don't argue about so many things that people get caught up in. Remember, we're here to serve Jesus and find people that need Jesus. Because whatever the case may be, this we know for sure, that the enemy of our souls will employ anyone that he can to do his destroying. And the devil is obviously going all out at this point. He knows that his time is very short. Verses 20 and 21, we did cover them last week, but let's go over them quickly again. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, notice, global, not a regional, global, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood. You can get the CD from last week. We went over this specifically. Which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent. Notice the word repent. Most churches will not use the word repent today. That's offensive. We might scare someone away. Let's love them to hell. We don't want to love anybody to hell. We need to use biblical terms. And maybe you're not familiar with it. So repent means, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to accept that repentance from God. I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to turn to God. 
and I'm going to ask Jesus to be my Savior. That's what repentance means in the context I'm sharing this morning if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. It means to turn. They refuse to turn from what? Their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Are we seeing these things growing in our culture and around the world today as well? Yes. Do we see a lack of repentance? Absolutely. So what can we do as Bible-believing Christians? Take the Word of God to those people that we can have an influence over, six, eight, ten people, in your junior high, in your high school, at your college, in your workplace, on your own time. But be the best employee on the job site. Let people know that. You're not kissing up to the supervisor. You're doing what God called you to do, whatever it was and whatever it is. Be the best. Let them know. Hey, I'm here to serve God. You just get the, you just get the benefits of it. You see, at this point, we're coming up to the halfway, the halfway point of the Great Tribulation. You see, at the beginning of the Tribulation, the church was removed from the earth, and the Antichrist came onto the scene promising peace and safety for the Jewish people as well as the whole earth. Can you see this being conditioned? Do you think they want peace in Israel? I mean, do you think they love going over there and just annihilating Gaza? The media would let you think, yes, they do. No, they do not. They're losing loved ones. They're losing brothers. They're losing fathers. They're losing children. They're not excited about this. But those in Gaza who need Jesus, Hamas, has said from day one, we'll do it again, and we'll do it again, and we'll do it again to annihilate the Jewish people. That's why they cannot stop. If they stop, Hamas is going to come at them. And if you've watched any news, even this past week, Hamas launched missiles towards Tel Aviv, even though they're being overwhelmed because that is their goal. And what's behind that? Satan. Are all the Israelites saved? By no means. Are they, are they perfect? By no means. They need Jesus. The Palestinians need Jesus. It's easy to see why the nation of Israel, as well as the whole world, will joyfully receive such an individual. But at the midpoint of the tribulation, he is going to reveal his true identity. And the nation of Israel will come under intense persecution as well. As Zechariah 13 shows us, we believe this is, I believe this is an insinuation to the great tribulation, second half. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. And as you read the whole chapter, you can see why I arrive at this. But one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord, capitals, all capitals, that means Jehovah, Yahweh, that means God the Father. The Lord is my God. It's tying together perfectly as the music team comes up. Guys, it's tying together perfectly. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't get anxious. Is your life in God's hands? Then trust in God. And if your trust level is not there, if your faith is not there, it will grow in the faith as you read about the faith and how God's going to take care of you. You might die through all of this. You might get an illness in 24. 
You might get cancer. My wife got it seven years ago. She's been six years clean. Just because you're a Christian, that doesn't mean you're exempt from hardship. But what we all want to learn is how can I go through it and be a witness through the hardship? How can I possibly plant, water, fertilize? How can I possibly maybe lead someone to Jesus Christ? Because they see a living hope in my life. That this life is not all there is. When I die, I'm going to step into heaven. Do you know where you're going? Just ask a simple question. Do you know where you're going after you die? Let them think about it. Let them think about it. And then be there to love on them and point them to the truth. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word that we're hearing the rest of the story. This is going to happen. This is not, this is not hypothetical. And how it's all going to play out, we're not going to be here anyways. They'll have to deal with it, the unbeliever. But Father, we thank you that you're going to take your bride, the church, out, for we are not appointed under the wrath of God. And just doing the simple numbers, this is the wrath of God. This has nothing to do with the wrath of man. This is the wrath of God. So Father, we thank you and praise you that we will not go into this tribulation period as Bible-believing Christians. But Father, we don't want to be complacent. We want to take somebody with us. So Father, this week, this month, this year, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help us to see the, the brevity of what's taking place here. And it is going to happen that we'll be ambassadors for Christ, that we'll register to vote, and we'll vote, and we'll do all those things. But first and foremost, we'll be an ambassador for Christ, that we might take somebody with us to heaven. Help us not to get caught up in the conspiracies. Help us not to get caught up in the politics. Help us not to get caught up in the race debate. We know the answers are found in your word. You raise up, you bring down. There is only one human race. There is going to be a one-world economy. There is going to be a one-world government. There is going to be a one-world religion. It's in Revelation 13. It's going to happen. We're just going through the conditioning process. So, Father, help us not to succumb to the conditioning, but to take a bold stand in 24 and to stick by the truth of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. You know, maybe you're here this morning as the saints are praying. There's people right now around you and they don't know you're not saved. But they're praying for anyone in this room that's not saved or listening to this CD that your spiritual eyes would be open and that you would acknowledge individually to God that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. So if you would like to do that, I'm going to pray a simple prayer and don't get hung up in the prayer. It's not about the prayer. It's about you and your heart, your soul, your being, your mind. Are you finally ready to say, I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior? If that is you this morning, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you pray this prayer, God will receive you. That's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. You will become born again. And you will become a son. You will become a daughter of God. If you would like to do that, just pray this simple prayer after me in the privacy of your own heart, your own mind. God, I get it. I get it. I'm a sinner. Which means I need a Savior. I'm going to hell. But God, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. So God, I, I repent. I turn to you. 
And I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask Jesus into my life. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come into my life. I don't know what that means, but I trust you're going to show me through your Bible, through prayer, through mature Bible-believing Christians, through church. You're going you're gonna to show me what this relationship looks like. So God, I say thank you right now for accepting me just the way I am. And I trust you'll clean me up via your Holy Spirit, via your word. And that I am now your son. I am now your daughter. I can now call you father. My father. That is so sweet. Thank you, father for loving me and accepting me. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to pray, maybe you've come here today and you know, you know you need to repent. I'm going to pray a prayer and you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to explain it. You just pray this prayer after me as well. Father, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. I just want to come home. So I repent. And I turn to you, Father. And I ask for forgiveness. I knew the whole time you were always there. I was the one in rebellion, not you. So I say thank you, Father, for forgiving me. And I pray, Father, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit that I'll stop looking to the right and to the left. But through your Holy Spirit, I'll stay focused on heaven and what you desire for me to be a more mature Christian at the end of this year than I am right now. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit, Father. In Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you and praise you. Looking forward to this year. You know what it holds. We don't. So we just thank you for that. And Lord, whatever comes our way, help us to remember your word. Help us to pray first, not at the last. Help us to reach out to other Bible-believing Christians. Help us to get into church more. Help us to participate in things, home fellowships, and asking people over and going over to other people's houses for prayer and fun and worship, whatever that looks like. We're in desperate days, Father. There's no way out except through you. So draw us ever closer that you will be glorified in and through our lives in 24. We thank you for this time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, 
how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.